Engaging sermons on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, if I preach the gospel, this is no reason for me to boast. For an obligation has been imposed on me, and woe to me if I do not preach it. If I do so willingly, I have a recompense. But if unwillingly, then I have been entrusted with a stewardship. What then is my recompense? That when I preach, I offer the gospel free of charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. Although I am free in regard to all, I have made myself a slave to all, so as to win over as many as possible. I have become all things to all, to save at least some. All this I do for the sake of the gospel, so that I too may have a share in it. Do you not know that the runners in the stadium all run in the race, but only one wins the prize? Run so as to win. Every athlete exercises discipline in every way. They do it to win a perishable crown, but we an imperishable one. Thus I do not run aimlessly. I do not fight as if I were shadow boxing. No, I drive my body and train it for fear that after having preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord, mighty God. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord, mighty God. My soul yearns and pines for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord, mighty God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest in which she puts her young. Your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord, mighty God. Blessed they who dwell in your house, continually they praise you. Blessed the men whose strength you are, their hearts are set upon the pilgrimage. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord mighty God. For a sun and a shield is the Lord God, grace and glory he bestows. The Lord withholds no good thing from those who walk in sincerity. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord mighty God. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus told his disciples a parable. Can a blind person guide a blind person? Will not both fall into a pit? No disciple is superior to the teacher. But when fully trained, every disciple will be like his teacher. Why do you notice the splinter in your brother's eye? but do not perceive the wooden beam in your own. How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me remove that splinter in your eye, when you do not even notice the wooden beam in your own eye? You hypocrite, remove the wooden beam from your eye first. 
then you will see clearly to remove the splinter in your brother's eye. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Peter Claver was a priest, lived in the 17th century, born in Spain, and he became a missionary to South America. And as we prayed in the opening prayer, his title that he liked to call himself was the slave of the slaves forever because he ministered to the Negro slaves. He's known as the apostle to the Negroes and baptized some 300,000 of them. Slave to the slaves. Reminds us of the other day when we were speaking about the papacy on the feast of St. Gregory the Great, an early pope, how he coined the term for the papacy, or for the pope himself, the servant of the servants of God. And today Peter Claver, priest, the slave to the slaves. And it reflects what Paul is saying to the Corinthians in this uh, today's reading, I have made myself a slave to all. Why? Because Jesus Christ came as a slave to all. In other words, he came not to be served, but to serve. And then the service he himself defines as giving his life that we might have life. Giving his life as a ransom for all shedding his blood, taking the form of a slave, going to that other passage from St. Paul to the Philippians, that great canticle of Jesus' emptying of himself, taking the form of a slave, being born the likeness of men. Brothers and sisters, love has a specific content, and we see it here. Peter becomes a slave to the slaves. Paul makes himself a slave of all. Jesus takes the form of a slave and gives his life as a ransom for many. Love means self-giving in the service of others in order that we can lead them to life, the life of the gospel that Paul is also writing about here, the gospel which, which is rewarding us with life eternal. Now this has a meaning for the way that we live, obviously. We end up rejecting evil, we end up embracing good, turning away from sin, and being faithful to the gospel by being faithful to a specific way of life. And that specific way of life, because it has a content, involves people guiding us and leading us, as, as, as uh, Jesus is saying, in this parable in Luke. The blind cannot lead the blind. The disciple cannot be greater than his teacher. So this means something is being taught and it means a pathway is being followed. It's not just whatever the person wants it to be. We don't write our own gospel. We are, as Paul says, entrusted with a gospel and we have the duty to proclaim it. We become guides to others as we're proclaiming the gospel, and we also become people who remove the splinters from 
the eyes of our brothers and sisters. To let them see, for example, that human beings are sacred, that they cannot be destroyed, manipulated, uh, bought or sold as slaves, treated as garbage like the unborn are treated. This is a, a, a big obstacle in the eye. It's a blindness to the sanctity of human life. We're supposed to take that out, first of all, from our own eye. So, Jesus saying, take the plank out of your own eye before you take the speck out of your brother's, is articulating a, a basic spiritual truth, that we begin the process of preaching the gospel with repentance. We begin the Mass by doing what? Repenting of our sins. Before the priest can even proclaim the gospel at the Mass, he has to tell everybody watching and participating that he's a sinner. And we all, before we offer our sacrifice at the altar, have to tell each other that we're sinners. The task of proclaiming the gospel to others begins by repenting of our own sins. The task of taking the speck out of our brother's and sister's eyes starts by taking the plank out of our own. That implies, of course, that we can recognize the plank. See, here's the irony. Some, in taking this passage, try to pretend that there's no such thing as a plank and there's no such thing as a speck, that there's no such thing as our ability to recognize them and there's no such thing as a duty for us to take them out. But there is. They exist, we can recognize them, and we have to remove them. That whole, that whole truth is thrown out the window by some who take this comparison of Jesus and say, oh, see, well, you're not supposed to judge. Oh, no, no, we are supposed to judge. We're supposed to judge the difference between right and wrong, point it out to others. Otherwise, what's, what is, what is a, a, a guide gli, gu, guiding a blind person or a teacher teaching a disciple if there's no content to teach about? So, yeah, we've got to repent. We've got to believe the truth of the faith. And then we've got to tell others to repent. That's guiding them. That's teaching them. That's preaching the gospel. Paul says, I don't preach out of boasting. I'm not saying I'm better than others. This is how people try to shame Christians. You know, Oh, you think you're better than everybody else. Who, who said that? We don't think that for one moment. We begin from the stance of repentance. But we've been given a gospel. It has a content. We rejoice in that content. The sanctity of life is at the center of it. Love of the poor, caring for the slaves, baptizing people like Peter Claver did. Again, as I mentioned, he baptized some 300,000 slaves there in South America. He hit the target. And this is where we come to this other part of the first reading where Paul says, you know, you, you, you run as, so as to win. Now, today we have this participation reward mentality that, oh, it's not so much winning that matters, it's just participating, you know, it's, it's uh, everybody gets the reward. Well, what kind of motivating lesson is that? No, it's not about just participating. It's about winning. Now, Mother Teresa is often quoted, and I, I knew her, and I spoke to her about this, too. And I spoke to Pope John Paul II about it as well. Mother Teresa who said, well, we, it's not that we are called to be faithful, uh, successful, we are called to be faithful. Now what she meant was, 
if we are in fact not successful, that doesn't mean we've betrayed God. That was the point she was making. If we are not successful in some particular pursuit or effort, don't take that at, to mean that you have failed in your calling from God. If you have been faithful in your effort to succeed, if you have been faithful in serving him, that's what he's looking for. And in the process of being faithful, you being faithful to him, if he wishes to grant you success, that's his gift. But our call is the fidelity, and we leave the results to him. That's true. John Paul II also said, in the context of fighting for the sanctity of life, woe to you if you do not succeed in defending life. And he was quoting today's first reading, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel, woe to me if I do not succeed in defending life. And then Paul says here, run so as to win. Don't be content that you're simply in the battle. The battle, first of all, to take that plank out of your own eye. That's painful. You've got to know what you're doing. It's not the blind leading the blind. The disciple's not greater than the teacher. Listen to what the teacher is saying. Know what you're doing. Recognize the plank. And then take it out. And it might be painful when you take it out. And at first, things might be blurry, disorienting, to enter into a new way of life. But you have to do it. Run so as to win. Don't just participate in the battle of your own sanctification. Become a saint. And don't just participate in the effort to build a culture of life. Succeed in it. Woe to me if I do not succeed in defending life. Run so as to win. And then Paul says, don't shadow box. Now, you look up the definition of shadow box. It's kind of funny. It's kind of... You know, throwing punches but aiming at nothing in particular. Oh, what is that? Shadow boxing. I'm hitting the air. We're not supposed to be hitting the air. And so many people are living the faith like that, are teaching the faith like that. Oh, you know, everybody, the main thing is, you know, that you know, we, we, we have to be um, loving people. Okay, I hear you. Now I'm ready for more. I want to see this, the, 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 the plank in my eye. I want to see the speck in my brother's eye. I want to be guided. I want to see. I don't want to be blind. I want to learn. I'm not superior to my teacher. So I'm waiting. Give me more. And then they don't give them more. Well, it's shadow boxing. Hey, everybody, go out into the world and make a difference. Excuse me? Make a difference. Be witnesses. Okay, well, what does that mean exactly? How many times do we hear gospel messages and we don't really know in the end what we're supposed to do and what we're supposed to not do? It's too vague. It's too, it's too general. Shadow boxing. I do not fight as if I were shadowboxing, Paul says. 
when the church swings, she's got to hit something. It's got to work. Let's make it work, brothers and sisters. Let's be clear in what we are trying to achieve. And let's achieve it. Jesus, let us follow the example of St. Peter Claver. Let us bring the gospel to all around us. Let us be a slave to all in service of the truth and in the joy of the gospel. Amen. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.